Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Friday, August 4th, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Trump pleading not guilty again, again. Elena Kagan says SCOTUS justices aren't imperial. SCOTUS ruling puts waterways in public parks and on public lands in peril, and a reenactment of a school shooting for a civil trial is underway. Let's round out Friday with a bang and a whimper and today's legal news. On this day in legal history, August 4th, 1735, a victory for the free press was achieved in the United States. Publisher John Peter Zenger was acquitted of libel charges against New York's colonial governor, William Cosby, in a case that became a landmark moment for American liberty. The New York Weekly Journal, printed by Zenger, had consistently criticized Governor Cosby, leading to various attempts by the governor to shut down the paper. When two grand juries failed to indict Zenger, Cosby resorted to a legal tactic called an information to bring Zenger before the court. The case took an unexpected turn when famed colonial lawyer Andrew Hamilton took up Zenger's defense, arguing that the Crown had to prove the statements were false. Hamilton's eloquent plea for liberty and the argument that truth is the best defense against libel resonated with the jury, who returned a not guilty verdict despite the judge's instructions. The Zenger case is now seen as a landmark decision that influenced the independence of attorneys, the power of juries, and the need for a free press, as it introduced concepts like Philadelphia lawyer and jury nullification into the American legal lexicon. If you, like me, had never heard of a Philadelphia lawyer outside the context of the billboards on 676 that make use of the term John, apparently a Philadelphia lawyer is a term used to describe a lawyer that knows detailed and minute points of law and is exceptionally competent. I've had some experiences that would suggest otherwise, but okay. Former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to charges of conspiring to obstruct the 2020 presidential election and interfere with voting rights during an arraignment held on Thursday in the federal courthouse in Washington. The case, which Trump's legal team is prepared to, quote, vigorously defend, marks the third criminal case against him with a potential fourth indictment tied to election interference in Georgia. During the 30-minute hearing, Trump personally stated his not guilty plea, and the next hearing was scheduled for August 28th. Trump's lawyer, John Lauro, expressed the intention to seek a delay in the proceedings, citing the magnitude of the case. Meanwhile, Prosecutor Thomas Wyndham assured that the government was ready to turn over substantial evidence and called for a normal order in the case. The magistrate judge guaranteed a fair trial process. Outside the courthouse, barricades and crowds reflected the political divisions surrounding Trump, and he later called the charges a, quote, persecution of a political opponent. I did everything right and they indicted me. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan recently spoke at the Ninth Circuit Judicial Conference in Portland, Oregon, addressing the controversy surrounding alleged ethics shortfalls by justices, including Clarence Thomas. Responding to Justice Samuel Alito's comments that Congress has no authority to impose a binding ethics code on the court, Kagan stated that Congress can't do anything it wants, but it does have some powers over the Supreme Court. She noted that Congress approves the court's budget and has the authority to regulate various aspects of the court. We're not imperial, Kagan said, emphasizing that Congress should have the right to consider what it believes is constitutional. She also mentioned that the justices are discussing self-imposed ethics rules with varying views among them. Under pressure, the justices have agreed to a new voluntary disclosure policy around hospitality, but progressives argue that a formal binding code is necessary to quell public doubt about the court's legitimacy. The U.S. Supreme Court's ruling in Sackett v. EPA in May has left wetlands and waterways in national parks, monuments, forests, and other public lands newly vulnerable to pollution and development. The ruling creates a federal jurisdictional test for waters and wetlands that some say is divorced from science and narrows the definition of waters of the U.S., or W-O-T-U-S, leaving many wetlands unregulated or regulated only by the states. This could pave the way for unpermitted dredging and filling of many streams and wetlands for construction. 
The ruling's impact on the nearly 640 million acres of land controlled by federal agencies is complex, and there is broad disagreement among attorneys about how Sackett affects public land. Some argue that protections under federal land management rules will not be as rigorous as those under the Clean Water Act, while others believe that existing laws and policies will continue to protect wetlands. The ruling may also affect environmental reviews for various projects on federal lands, particularly in areas with weak state-level wetlands regulations. The decision has sown confusion, with some fearing that operators may take advantage of the uncertainty to destroy valuable ecosystems. For our last story, we have one that makes mention of an event that entailed gun violence against children. If that isn't something you can hear today, we get it, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Thanks for listening, as always. One of the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history, which occurred at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida in 2018, will be enacted on Friday as part of a civil lawsuit. The reenactment aims to demonstrate that Scott Peterson, the school resource officer on duty, intentionally avoided confronting the gunman. Peterson, who was armed but never entered the building during the shooting, has claimed he was unable to determine the source of the gunshots. Lawyers for the victim's families believe the reenactment will prove that Peterson heard the 70-plus shots but chose not to act. The reenactment is part of a civil case against Peterson, who was acquitted of criminal charges related to the shooting in June. Judge Carolisa Phillips of the Broward County Circuit Court has not yet ruled on whether the audio and video recordings of the reenactment will be admissible at trial. The building where the shooting took place will be demolished after the reenactment, and the families in the area have been notified so they can make appropriate plans for the day. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. I'm at Andrew, and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in a story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here on Monday. And until then, remember, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to make friends with it and share your sandwich. <laughs> <laughs>